we started um, this very exciting series actually on how to pray effectively and PWA took us through, I would call it a foundational class. And you know, there are multiple things that we learned, but one of them was, you know, the purpose of prayer. Why do we pray, right? And you know, he enumerated three um, purpose. The first one, and the, to me, which is the most important, is to build an ongoing dynamic relationship with God. Because you will agree with me that, you know, a relationship cannot grow without conversation. It can't grow without communication. So that is what prayer helps us to do. It helps to feed, feed that relationship um, through communication, because prayer is basically communicating with God. Right? The second one um, is, uh, the second purpose of prayer that we learn is that it helps build strong faith so that we can participate in kingdom rulership with God, right? Um, there's something that we learn, and I'm sure PW has, has, um, has shared that with us actually, is that our rulership on earth is only as powerful as our um, relationship with God. So you cannot rule outside of your relationship with God. It is strengthened, um, you know, by continuously conversing with God, praying to God, speaking with God, and that's how you're able to grow, you know, grow in um, stature in the spirit so that on here on earth it manifests through your rulership for God. And then last but not least, um, the third thing that we learned was that, the per that prayer is an avenue by which our needs are being met. Um, you know, the Bible is constantly talking about, you know, ask and you shall receive. And how we go about asking is in the place of prayer. So I know that, you know, many a times, and, you know, I'm not knocking anybody because, you know, it's... We mature. I mean, the more we know, the better we do, right? So, you know, when we start, typically, when we start our faith walk, you know, we're just focused on our needs, right? Like, God, you know, I need, I have this test I need to pass. I need you to come through for me. You know, as I'm, you know, putting this information in my mind, let the thing not scatter. Let keep it together until I write the test and then I can forget. Any witness in the house? And lying, okay, good. There's no lying spirit in this place. Good. So yes, but then, you know, the more we grow, the more we evolve, we desire God for God. We desire God for who he is, not necessarily for what he can do. Again, there's nothing wrong. You know, God is in the business of meeting our needs, right? But the more that we grow, the more we mature in Christ, you know, our tastes begin to shift and we, desire, and we begin to desire just the presence of God just because God is just sweet, right? And then we also learned last week about the seven types, the seven types of prayer. And then we took a, a deep dive. Um, Peter Bay took us, uh, you know, on this journey of the prayer of devotion, which is the foundation for all other types of prayer. And we learned that, you know, the prayer of devotion is where we get intimate with God through worship, reading the Bible, you know, through um, it's expressed in our life. Because the more, you know, you hang out with God in the place of prayer, you know, his prayer presence begins to, to overflow on you and people are able to see God in you. So that's what the prayer of devotion helps us to do. Um, and like I said, you know, the prayer of devotion is where everything really stems from. Um, because in the kingdom of God, it is those who know their God that will be strong and they will do exploits. So it's in the knowing your God that you get the strength that manifests in exploits here on earth. So that's why, you know, the prayer of devotion is so fundamental. So today, by the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to take a look at the second type of prayer, which is the prayer of agreement. 
So what is the prayer of agreement? Um, so the prayer of agreement is when, you know, we pray to God in one accord with a person or group of people concerning a specific situation. The Bible is full of examples, you know, of two or more people coming together, agreeing in the place of prayer over um, concerning a situation and there, and there is tangible results, right? So as we explore this topic, um, I want us to, to look at our anchor scriptures, which is in Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20, and Acts 1, verse 14. So just as an FYI, today we're going to open, we're going to read a lot of scriptures, right? Um, because they cannot be transformation without the word of God, right? Like, just hearing me speak just doesn't make sense, right? So it's the word of God that brings about transformation or transfor transfiguration or metamorphosis, which is changing from one state to another. So we need to read the word of God. So I want us today to please open up, you know, as we read, don't just, you know, look at the screen. Open up, get into the habit of also opening up, opening up, you know, your Bible on your phone through the service. And God will bless you in Jesus' name. So Matthew 18, verse 19 to 20, and I read it, I'm going to read it in two translations, in the Amplified and in the Message translation. So in the Amplified, it says, again, I say to you that if two believers on earth agree, that is, are of one mind in harmony about anything they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, meeting together as my followers, I am there among them. The message translation says, take this more seriously. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. What you say to one another is eternal. I mean this. When two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are gathered together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. So that's how I know that God is here because two, there's more than two or three here, right? We're gathered in the name of God, right? So that's how I know that he's here. Acts 1 verse 14 in the Amplified says, all these with one mind and one purpose were continually devoting themselves to prayer, waiting together along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. The message translation says, they agreed they were in this for good. Completely together in prayer, the women included. Also Jesus' mother, Mary, and his brothers. You know, the latter part of... Um, you know, that Acts 1 verse 14. I like how he puts it in, in the TPT. And it says, they were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. So they were on job. They were relentless. You know, they had the word of God. They had community. And they were at it in the place of prayer because they wanted to see change and change happened. So, you know, the Bible tells us that, um, you know, that the earth and the sky um, will wear out, you know, or pass away before one word that God, that God speaks loses its power or loses its purpose. 
That's how bankable the word of God is. The word of God can be fully and entirely trusted. The Bible says with God, there is no risk of failure, 100% guarantee. That's how potent the word of God is. So the Bible tells us again that, you know, the word of God cannot fail. So for, as you know, I was, I was thinking about it and I was meditating. I was like, okay, if the word of God does not fail, then why is it that, and I, you know, I was thinking for myself, right? I was like, why is it that, you know, there's some time where, you know, we've come together, you know, my friends together, we've come together, we've prayed, but we have not seen results. And I know for sure that God is not a liar. So that begs the question now to ask, okay, God, what am I missing? What is the missing link? What, you know, what, what is it that we did not get that, you know, that did not yield the fruit? Because the word says here that if two or three come together in the place of prayer, they agree concerning a topic, there will be change. So that's what we're going to look at. Um, we're going to dive in a bit. And we're going to look at what are the requisite elements, you know, that make the prayer of agreement effective. And to look at that story, um, and to look at that topic, we're going to take a look at a story in the Bible. Okay. So the book of Acts um, chapter 4 and um, this, I'll give you a bit of a preamble before we read um, the portion of scriptures. And so book, um, Acts chapter 4 opens up with um, Peter and John, they got arrested. And the reason why they got arrested is, you know, they were teaching, you know, they had revelation, right? And obviously, for the people that had their mind clogged, it was just too much for them to bear. And many of them were religious leaders. So, you know, they were angered, they were upset because, you know, People's life were being delivered. I mean, there was a man there, 40 years, you know, he got healed. So people were very upset. So the leaders, the religious leaders were very upset. So, you know, they used their delegated authority and then they put um, Peter and John in prison. So the Bible tells us in verse 22 that, um, you know, after they could not find a tangible evidence for why they had Peter and John in prison, they released them. So then we start from um, verse 23, and I read it in the TPT. And it says, as soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and explained all that had happened with the high priest and the elders. When the believers heard their reports, they raised their voices in unity and prayed, Lord Yahweh, you are the Lord of all. You created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything that is in them. And you spoke by the Holy Spirit through your servant David, our father, saying, how dare the nations plan a rebellion, ranting and raging against the Lord Most High. Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the king of the earth take their stand with the ruler scheming and conspiring together against God and his anointed Messiah. In fact, Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with Jews and non-Jews, met together to take their stand against your holy servant, Jesus the Messiah. They did to him all that your purpose and will had determined according to the destiny you had marked out for him. So now, Lord, 
Listen to their threats to harm us. Empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. As they prayed, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. All the believers were in one mind and heart. Selfishness was not a part of their community, for they shared everything they had with one another. So there's, some, there's something very unique um, about this particular set of believers in the portion of scriptures that we wrote, that we read, sorry. Um, the Bible tells us in verse 23 that, you know, as soon as Peter and John were released, they went directly to the other believers, you know, and they explained everything that had happened to them. There was a strong bond among these believers because, you know, you can just imagine, you know, somebody just comes out of jail. Like the first thing, you know, there's the, that little, that guilt, right, of having been in prison, right? But to them, there was no such thing as that. There was that bond. They trusted each other, and that's why... Paul and um, John, I'm sorry, Peter and John felt safe to go to them and tell them about everything that had happened. So Peter and John, they didn't feel like, you know, they were going to be judged or um, looked down on, you know, for being in, in prison because of the gospel, right? So they, they, there was a sense of togetherness. There was a sense of unity that transcended any of the experiences, the Bible says in the verse uh, 32, it says, these believers were one in mind and heart. Selfishness was not a part of their community, for they shared everything they had with one another. So these believers, they were not in the business of, you know, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. Right? There, there was a sense of, you know, what is mine is yours because we are the body of Christ. Right? So that's why, you know, you could tell that, and, and, and it was seen from, you know, the strength of the community, because the Bible says everybody, like there was no lack. In fact, when you read um, verse 35, I believe, the latter part, portion of um, that chapter, it actually said that nobody lacked a thing. Like, can you imagine, you know, a community of people where nobody lacks a thing? That's how potent the presence of God was. That's how, you know, their hearts were disposed to one another. And, you know, and that's one of the strategy of Satan, right? The Bible tells us in James 3 verse 16, it says, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil walk. And that's how Satan works, right? And, and, and that's how he works to cause division amongst the body of Christ because he knows that there's so much power, so much, um, you know, of God's will. It can be unleashed when people come together in unity of mind, in unity of heart, in the place of prayer for change. So unity is very powerful. Um, you know, both, you can even see both in the secular realm, in the spiritual realm, unity is very, very, very powerful. And that's why, you know, as believers, we can't be ignorant. You know, um, there's a saying, ignorance is bliss, but I promise you, it is not bliss in the things of the Spirit. Like, because if you're, if you're ignorant about things, it can actually be very detrimental. 
And offenses is an area where, you know, Satan takes a lot of advantage over us as believers. Not because he's powerful, just because we're ignorant. So it's not like, you know, Satan has... Satan has power, rightfully so, because the Bible says it, but he's not powerful. Like he doesn't, as a child of God, we have more power than he does because he has been delegated to us as children of God. But when you're not conscious of that power, when you're ignorant of what is the tools that are in your hands, Satan takes advantage. And that's one of the things that he does in the area of offenses. So in Luke um, 17 verse 1, and I read in the NKGV, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Like, you cannot pray offenses away, in other words. The TPT says, betrayals are inevitable. So it's not something that, you know, oh God, please, you know, let me not be offended. It's bound to come. So that's why, you know, as believers, we need to know what we need to do, how we need to live, you know, and the tools that God has made available to us so that we're able to either preempt, you know, like the moment that you see it coming, you run away as a wise person, or once it happened, to know what to do next. And, you know, and the reason why um, it is inevitable because, you know, we live on this side of eternity, right? It's a fallen world, so it's bound to happen. It's not something that you can pray away. When we get to heaven, by the grace of God, there's no offenses there. Everybody, we're just singing and celebrating God, right? Um, So with that being said, you know, before I even move on to what I want to say, just think about it. Jesus, you know, being fully God, fully man, he got betrayed. So you and I, we're not fully, like, you get what I mean? It's bound to happen, right? So, and I'm gonna explain what offenses does, um, like the mechanism of Satan, you know, when it comes to that. So the thing with offenses and betrayal, or betrayal is that at the core, it attacks our hearts. So the Bible says that with the heart, man believes. So what offense does is that it breaks our resolve, It attacks our ability to trust or to believe. So we lack faith. So we have a faith failure. So as a result of the pain of the offense now, we begin to draw away from God because, you know, when you're hurt, you don't want to do, like, you don't want anything to do with the person. Correct? Yeah? Okay. So, you know, so what Satan does is that, you know, with the pain, now you begin to, to, to withdraw. And then he starts speaking multiple things in your mind. Oh, you know, you know, it's even true, you know, she's like that or he's like that. But all of that is Satan speaking. Because Satan is aware that, you know, the moment there is a crack in the body of Christ, he infiltrates. So, you know... So when that time, when that divide then happens, you know, the pain of the offense now, it restricts the believers from coming together and, you know, agreeing here on earth, agreeing here on earth in the place of prayer so that our Father in heaven can move into action. So that's what Satan does. He stirs up offenses, you know. Um, you know, sometimes what he does is that, you know, he would time it because Satan, he's not stupid. I must admit, he's not stupid. So what he does is that, you know, maybe you've had a long day, 
you're a bit tired, you know, on a normal day, this thing will not even offend you, but because, you know, you're kind of like predisposed to it, you know, you're a bit tired, you've had a long day, so somebody maybe just says something or being, or, you know, at that point, you feel like the person is being insensitive, and all of a sudden, you just hold it to your chest. That's Satan. That is Satan. Because what offenses does, like I said, it severes the relationship that we have with one another. It breaks the trust. And without trust, you cannot live in peace with people. So that's why, you know, again, as believers, we can't be ignorant of how Satan operates. So if you, even when you check, you know, the Lord's, prayer, the Lord's prayer that he taught us in Matthew 6, 9 to 13, it is full of the word our you know, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our sins. So you see that God never intended believers to live in isolation. It's in community because it's our. God intended us to live in community, not in silos, not in isolation, because in isolation you are vulnerable. And that's what offenses does, is that it tries to corner you so that, you know, Satan can just be speaking different things to you. And at that point, because, you, again, you're vulnerable, it's easy to believe, right? So that's why it's so important that as believers, you know, we're able to resolve um, issues. So seeing that you cannot pray offenses away, um, again, as I, was, as I was meditating, I was thinking, okay, so I can't pray offenses away, so then how can I, for lack of a better word, you know, preempt it? And what I mean by preempt it is what are the things that I can do before the offense even happens? And then I was not thinking about it another way, is what are the things that I can do after the offense happens? So we're going to take a look at pre. Um, we're going to read Proverbs 1, verse um, 1 to 3 in the TPT. And it says, here are kingdom revelations, words to live by, and words of wisdom given to empower you to reign in life, written as Proverbs by Israel King Solomon, David's son. Within these sayings will be found the revelation of wisdom and the impartation of spiritual understanding. Use them as keys to unlock the treasures of true knowledge. Those who cling to these words will receive discipline to demonstrate wisdom in every relationship and to choose what is right, just, and fair. So from those portions of scripture, you can tell that what we really need in how to, you know, um, live together, live together, live in unity is wisdom. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. You know, from reading the scriptures, because it says, it says here, you know, here are words, king, kingdom revelation, words to live by. So from reading the scripture, you and I will learn, you know, for example, that responding gently when you're confronted would diffuse the anger of anybody. Right? Because many a time, and I'm, again, I'm speaking, speaking about myself, really, to be honest, is, um, you know, when you're offended, um, at that point, is you just want to just give it. Right? But the wisdom from the scripture, from reading our Bible, like we learned last week about the prayer of devotion, which involves um, Bible reading, you learn that, you know, you know that anger does not help you to live in a way that pleases God. 
Another thing that you will learn is that the fights that you and I are trying to win, you know, by in, in, the, in the moment of offense can actually cause us critical relationship that God has actually ordained for us. Another thing that, you know, we will learn from reading the scriptures is to discern when to talk because if you keep talking, chances are you're going to say the wrong thing in that moment. Another thing that you would even learn, you know, that you and I will both learn from reading the scripture is to not even associate at all or befriend angry people. Because if you befriend angry people, it's only a matter of time before you also become an, an angry person. And the Bible says it. It says, an angry man steers up strife and a hot-tempered and undisciplined man commits many transgressions. From reading the Bible again, you know, we will, we will know that if you walk with wise people, you too, you will be wise. But if you don't follow that instruction, the suffering, you're going to bear it alone. That's in Proverbs 13, verse 20. So these are all, you know, just little gleanings for, of wisdom that, we, that you and I will learn the more, you know, we gain, we gain wisdom from the Bible. And also, one thing that I want to mention is that as we continue to read our Bible and grow in wisdom, you know, when we do get offended at one another, we're also equipped to know how to handle that. Because, you know, God has made, um, God has given us tools and he has made provision for those scenarios. So in James 5, verse 16 in the TPT, it says, confess and acknowledge that you have offended one another. So it takes two to tangle. And then pray for one another and be instantly healed for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. So when we're offended, you know, at that, like I said, at that point, you don't really want to talk to God, you don't want to talk to the person, you just want to do your own thing, and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, you and I, we have to fight that urge. Because at the end of the day, you know, Satan is really after our hearts, like I mentioned. And he knows that if he can capture your heart and disconnect it from God, he's got your life. He's literally got your life. So, you know, in the kingdom of God, um, the Bible says, Romans 8 verse 14 in the TPT says that the mature Christians are those that are moved by the, impulse, the, by the impulses of, this, of the spirit. As a child of God, you know, we need to grow into maturity whereby what we do and what we don't do is not determined by how we feel, but by what the word of God says. And again, I'm not saying that it's easy or it's a walk in a park, right? But one thing that I've seen, and even from, from my experience as well, is that the more you do it, the easier it becomes. But, you know, it takes you taking that first step in, in obeying what the word of God says. So, you know, I just want to take this opportunity to say that, you know, when you are now offended, that's actually not the time to run away from God. And I know that, you know, culture and um, sometimes background has made us believe that, you know, when we're offended, you know, we just need to deal with it ourselves, you know, put yourself together, you know, put a straight face and everything will go away. It was not going to go away. Because what will happen is that any offense that is not addressed, it grows into resentment. And God has actually made provisions to address such things. You know, um, he, the Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 18, and I read in the TPT, it says, The Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain. 
And he's always, always ready to restore the repentant one. So what does that mean from a practicality standpoint? It means that when you and I get offended, we go to God. We tell him exactly how it is. This thing happened, I'm so upset, I'm very annoyed. At this very moment, I just want to act out. I need you to just help me. Literally like that. Like no sugar coating. And I just want to let you know, God can handle that. Because many a time, you know, we feel like, oh, if we come, you know, with all our real self, you know, God is going to be upset. But you and I will agree that the strength of a relationship is how vulnerable we can get. And that's the thing with God. You know, God can handle it. And he's not upset that you are upset. He gets upset when you act out of character because you're upset. So that's why we need to come to God in the place of prayer and exactly like it happened. You, you see how I said it? I'm upset, very upset. Holy Spirit, this thing happened, I'm very mad. I need you to help me because any moment from now, <sighs> literally, literally. So this one is not, you know, enter the gates with thanksgiving. We get to that eventually. Let's address this matter at hand first, right? You tell it to God. You go to the place of prayer and you tell him. It's a conversation. Holy Spirit, this thing happened today. I don't have time for it. Please, just help me that today I will just behave myself because I cannot do it if you don't help me. And, you know, the more you do it, like you will start to see how the Holy Spirit just walks in you. You know, either he will, you know, make you forget what has happened. You know, even when you see the person, you don't even remember what has even happened. Or, you know, he will, he will, he will heal your heart. But that's what, you know, the Bible said that he is close to the heart that have been crushed by pain. And he's always ready to restore the repentant one. And what is repentant? Repentant is turning direction. Right? It's, you know, you were about to do the bad thing, but you just turn and look to God. I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, I need your help. That is repentance. And, you know, like I said, God can handle it. He's not upset because you are upset. He gets upset when you act out of character, when you get upset. That is, there's a nuance there. Because obviously, we're made flesh and blood. Like I said, we're on this part of eternity, right? And you can't pray offenses away. So, they, so God has made this provision to be able to handle that so, that so that we're able, you know, to look at each other. And, you know, when I hear that, oh, something has happened or somebody hear that something has happened to me, they can come, you know, togetherness in one heart to pray so that things might change here on earth. The second lesson that, you know, we learn is that... Um, you know, godly unity um, is, is very beautiful because what happens when, you know, there's godly unity, people actually care and they are willing to pay the price, you know, for, for, for what it requires to find solutions. They are actually willing. In the story that we read in Acts chapter 4, um, the Bible tells us that in verse 20, 24, that when the believers heard the report from Peter and John about what they had gone through, they were immediately moved to action. They raised their voices in unity and prayed to the same God they all served. You know, they, they didn't tell Peter, oh, my thoughts and my prayers are with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, to be honest, <laughs> How does that work? My thoughts and prayers are with you. And you and I both know that when people say that they, they don't really like, they don't pray. Like we both know that they don't pray. <sighs> it's as well. 
So, you know, in this, in this scenario, what they did, what the other believers did is that, you know, they took the matter like it was their own. Because the Bible says as soon as they heard it, so it was as if they were even waiting, you know, to just move into action. They, they joined together in unity, started praying, started interceding in the place of prayer so that God will move on their behalf. You know, like I said, they didn't have that mentality of, you know, what happens to you happens to you. They had a mentality of, if it's happening to you, it is happening to all of us because we are body of Christ. Because we are the body of Christ. You know, even when you, even when you, um, when you, when you read how they prayed in verse 29 and 30, it says, so now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us. Empower us as your servant to speak the word freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. And mind you, it was Peter and John that went to jail. It wasn't us. But to them, if you attack one of us, you're attacking all of us. There was a sense of community. There was a sense of, you know, like I said, what happens to you, it happens to me as well. And the Bible tells us, um, you know, Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4, and I read in the TPT, it says, Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your heart, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. You see, the love and the compassion that they had for Peter and John, and John moved their hearts to their knees. It moved their hearts uh, to, to, to take a posture of prayer, to ask God to intervene. So when we're moved with compassion, you know, um, and, and genuine compassion, because to be honest, the word compassion actually means that you're moved to the point that you have to take an action. It's not just, oh, you know, ah, I feel for her. Okay, mm -hmm. you feel for her, what has happened? Right? It takes more than just feeling for the person. So that's what compassion is. It actually moves your heart to act. So it doesn't leave you static. It, it's, it's, it's such a, compassion is such a powerful force that actually moves people to, to do, to take a step or to take an action that is gonna benefit somebody else. And that's what we, we see here. The third thing that we learned from this story is that um, they agreed on the scriptures. Um, in Acts 4, when they prayed, um, and I read from verses 25 and 26, it says, how dare the nations plan a rebellion? Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit as the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh. That's actually taken from Psalm 2, verse 1 to 2. You know, some of you will know the, this, I read this in TPT, but um, some of you will know, you know, how, why do the nation raise, why, does, why do they plot a vain thing, right? They actually had, they were armed with scriptures. They didn't just go, they didn't go outside of the parameters of scriptures to be able to, you know, call on foreign gods. They stayed within the parameters of the word of God. You know, Isaiah 8, 
verse 19 to 22, and I read it in the message. It says, when people tell you, try out the fortune tellers, consult the spiritualist. I'm reading from Isaiah 8, verse 19 to 22 in the message translation. So I'll start again. It says, when people tell you, try out the fortune tellers, consult the spiritualists. Why not tap into the spirit world, get in touch with the dead? Tell them no. We are going to study the scriptures. People who try the other ways get nowhere, a dead end. Frustrated and famished, they try one thing after another. When nothing works out, they get angry. Cursing first this God and then that one. Looking this way and that up, down, sideways and seeing nothing. A blank wall, an empty hole. They end up in the dark with nothing. These ones, they stayed in the word of God. They didn't, want to, they didn't try any other gods or quick fixes. They stayed in the scripture. So let us remain in the scripture. Every answer that we need for life and godliness is inside the holy book, 66 chapters. That's the more you read, there's still revelation that you never saw. Like it's unending. It doesn't end. So let's remain within the scriptures. So you can, you can agree with me that the strength of any building is determined by the foundation and similarly even in spiritual things, right? That you're only as strong as your devotional life. And what makes the prayer of agreement potent is your prayer of devotion, right? Um, you know, like I said, as we grow in wisdom and reading our Bibles, in worshiping with God, you know, our love for God increases. And as a result of that, our love for others as well increases because the Bible says that, you know, you are my child indeed, when you show love to one another. And that is a critical element in seeing answered prayers, um, you know, when, 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 when we come together in prayers of agreement. So that's why, again, the prayer of devotion is very fundamental. Like, we can't joke around um, with our devotion, especially in this end time, you know, where the Bible says, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people. Like the evil, if you and I think that we've seen evil, we have not seen anything quite yet. Because that's what the scripture says. And that's why, you know, it's so critical that when it comes to our prayers, to our devotional life, like Pastor mentioned, reading our Bible, worshiping, living a righteous life, staying in right standing with God, you know, ensuring that our vertical relationship and our horizontal relationship are in tune, right? That is how we're, we're going to be able to stand because the Bible said, those that know their God, they will be strong and they will do exploits. So in conclusion, um, you know, when believers are in one accord, you know, they engage the prayer of agreement, there's actually fruits. And we've seen it from that scripture. There's so many examples. I mean, I'm just thinking of the story of Daniel, right? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's another story right there. It's so powerful where a group of believers can, you know, come together you know, no offenses in the heart, you know, living together, sharing. You know, when they come in the place of, of prayer, things actually happen. No matter how, you know, um, insurmountable the, mount, the, you know, the mountain look, God moves it. Because the Bible has already assured that, you know, when, when that happens, God moves into action. So Amos 3 verse 3 tells us that, you know, two people... Two people will not walk together unless they are agreed to do so. 
you know, you and, you and I, we can't walk in togetherness where there's no, you know, where there's nothing that, you know, unites us. There has to be a, a common, um, for lack of a better word, a common denominator that unites us, right? And there's nothing that unites like Christ, you know, where, where both people are believers, you know, and they're not just nominal believers. I'm not talking about oh, churchgoers, no. They actually lift out the word of God. You know, they, they are intentional about their, their, their walk with Christ, right? Powerful things happen. And like I said, what really unites believers is our love for Christ, right? Um, the more we grow in Christ, the more, you know, we read our Bible, the more we fellowship with like-minded people. Because you can't say, oh, you know, I'm a believer, but, you know, my close friends are not believers. Like, the Bible says, what does darkness have to do with light? Right? It's, it's, it's in the Bible. Like, don't look at me like that. I'm not telling you stories. Right? It, it just doesn't work because, you know, the people that you're close with, that is an indication of your future. And Pastor has thought that here as well. I remember, I think it was in 2020, if I'm not mistaken, um, the, I think the first sermon, the first, in the, in the month of January, I encourage you guys to take a look at it. He said the, the five people, top five people that you speak to all the time, that is your future. So if you don't like what you're seeing, you know what to do. Reconfigure, right? And this is not from a place of like, oh, one person is better than the other, no. It's that when you have a sense of destiny, you just know that it demands, you know, consecration demands that you do the needful. And, you know, I, and I know for sure that, you know, God is, God wants to give somebody today that opportunity, you know, and I don't want anybody to believe the lie of Satan that says, oh, you know, I will fix myself up, then I come to God, right? Like, you can't be wiser than the person that created you, right? It's like saying, oh, you know, you drive a Benz, but you want to take it to Toyota. Nothing wrong with people that drive Benz or Toyotas, please don't get offended. <laughs> Just for example purposes, right? Um, in as much, it's true, they know cars, but they don't know BM. They don't know Benz. They know Toyota. They don't know Benz, right? So that's why, you know, if you, like if you bought it from the Benz, you will go to Maison Benz, right? To get it fixed. So it's the same thing with God. You know, God created us, and he knows what works and what doesn't work with us. So instead of, you know, trying to figure out multiple um, alternatives, Wisdom demands that we go back to our creator, you know, to, to, to speak with him. And like I said, God is a loving father. He's, he's actually very loving. Like he's always interested in us. Like the Bible says, you know, we are the apple of his eye. Like he always has us at the forefront of his mind. We're always in his thoughts. So irrespective of where you've been, what you think you've done yesterday, this morning, or just before, you know, hearing the word, it does not matter. All God is interested in is to be in that unity, in that togetherness with you and I. And that's the whole purpose of salvation. That's the whole entire purpose of, of salvation. For, Jesus to, for God to send Jesus to die for you and I so that there can be a restoration of that relationship. So, you know, as we wrap up, I just want us to rise to our feet. Um, 
because we're gonna we're gonna take a prayer because you know it makes sense that we yes give it up to God you can do better than that you can do better than that praise God so um, before we take the prayer um, like I said you know God wants to be in a relationship with you he's very He's so committed to us um, fulfilling destiny. And everything that he has done, like his whole master plan, has you and I at the very center of it. And, you know, I, and I know that he wants to give somebody that opportunity to consciously enter into a relationship of unity with him. So, you know, if, if, if God is tugging at your heart, please don't... Don't leave it to tomorrow. Don't say next week. Because you and I don't know the date. We don't know the time. We don't know. But what you know is this very moment that God is giving, you know, one of us that opportunity to enter into a relationship with him. So if you want to do that, and, you know, and if you, and if you feel like, okay, you know what, I haven't really been connecting with God for X or Y reason, no issues. God is also here for that. Because like I said, the whole entirety of his plan is you, you and I. Like we're literally at the very middle and God has just created everything to work together for us. So with that being said, you know, if you want to give your life to Christ um, today, just please repeat after me and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. And on the third day, you rose from the dead. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Take away my sins and give me the grace to live a life that is pleasing to you. Amen. Please, can we give it up to our brothers and sisters that have come home? Hallelujah. So you're going to see a, okay, just behind me, you can either text, um, text safe to that number. And really what we want to do is we want to, um, again, like I said, God created all of us to live in community. And the whole purpose of this is so that, you know, we can fellowship with you. We can answer any question that you have. And we also have like a nice little package that we want to give you um, to continue your journey with Christ. Amen. So please, you want to just text save to that number and then the team will take it up from there. All right. So like I said, um, I want us to take a prayer. And I'm going to read from Ephesians 3, 14 to 19 in the message translation. And it says, my response is to get down on my knees before the Father. So Ephesians 3, 14 to 19 in the message translation. And it says, my response is to get down on my knees before the Father. This magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. I ask him that with both feet planted firmly in, on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives 
full in the fullness of God. So what I want us to ask God, um, you know, this afternoon as we enter into the new week is that God will give each and every one of us an experience, a brand new experience of his love because that's where it all starts from. That God this week and the prayer is simple, Father, this week I want to experience your love in a brand new light. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that this particular week as we're entering into it, that Lord, we will experience that it won't just be head knowledge, but that it will be heart knowledge because we'll be able to testify that, you know, I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Father, Lord, that this particular week, let it be a turnaround for us, that we will grow in your love. It will be deepened as your word says that, you know, we'll, that our feet will be planted firmly on love in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we've prayed. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us this afternoon. Holy Spirit, thank you for showing us how um, intentional you are and how much you desire for us to be in communities. Father, Lord of oh God, we ask in the name of Jesus that even as we enter this week, Please give us a fresh experience of your love. That Father, Lord of oh God, it will be so real, Lord, it will be so real that it will be easy for us to be able to express it to others in the name of Jesus. And Lord, even this week, you know, as some of us engage our friends, oh God, in seeking you in the place of prayer of, of agreement, my Father, let there be tangible results in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord of oh God, the Bible said that when they pray, the earth shook. Father, let the earth yield, oh God, Father, to those prayers in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory. Father, for our brothers and our sisters that have come home, Lord, we're grateful. Thank you so much. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you will establish them in your kingdom, oh God. And that, Father, being a loving dad as you are, that, Lord, oh God, this week, you will give them a special gift in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of the living God. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah.